Hey guys, welcome back to Engage Culture, where we introduce gospel realities into cultural conversations. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking about how we should be led by the Holy Spirit in our churches, in our lives, and kind of, uh, I- I'm not going to talk mess about the Western church, but to be honest, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now about how we've made it about us. We're filled with pride. And when I say we, I mean the church in the West at, at on average. I, I'm not talking about every single church. I'm not talking about even, even my church. Um, there might be individuals in certain churches uh, with with more levels of, of, uh, of self-interest, doing it for uh, preaching the gospel for us, making the gospel something it's not because you want a piece of it. That, that could be the case, and it probably is the case for some people in a lot of churches. But the idea is that the longer you in, you're in community, the more that gets discipled out of you by the, in, encountering the Holy Spirit and in being in discipleship relationships with other believers that are leading you um, to be to look more like Jesus. And Jesus looked like someone that humbled himself all the way to the deepest extent in which anybody can humble themselves, which is to allow people to kill you uh, on behalf of, of you being humble. And, and because of that, he was exalted to the highest place <laughs> in existence. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of things I'm going to kind of cover, but I want to start with a video from Francis Chan. And this is really encouraging to me because Francis is this huge pastor. He uh, is the author of many books, um, crazy love, uh, all different types of charismatic Christian uh, movements. And he recently left his church where he had glory speaking arrangements and he still speaks but but he moved overseas to actually be on the field and be on the frontier of world missions to reach lost people but we're going to jump in to the video in first corinthians 1 verse 17 it says christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Mm. So there's a warning here where he's saying, okay, God didn't send me to baptize so you can say, oh, I was baptized by Paul. He sent me to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And God was showing me, if you go back to an illustration you know will work, or a story you know will grip their hearts, and you use your eloquent speech, he goes, you're going to empty the power of the cross. So don't revert back to that. This is, this is what he says later in, in, in chapter 2. 
verse 1, he says, I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. So if I give some speech here that talks you into following Jesus because I timed it all out right and ended with the right story and changed the inflection of my voice and just just nailed it, nailed it, nailed it and talked you into something, then some other guy, as you walk out the door, or some some college professor will give another equally eloquent speech with probably more intelligence and talk you right out of what I said because your conversion or supposed conversion was something I talked you into by my own intellect. And it was born, Paul says, in that way on the wisdom of men and not the power of God. That is just super encouraging to me uh, for a few reasons. First off, uh, if you have watched any Francis Chan's stuff before, you know he's an incredible speaker. Uh, and communication, I, I, I love the ability to communicate ideas effectively, to lead effectively. Like These are important qualities. But if we just take a step back and we look at what... Paul, the apostle that we all know and love, that have kind of has kind of shaped our understanding of theology throughout the New Testament and how to lead churches, how to do ministry, right? We see that he's constantly trying to tell us to be less, right? And, and this is what Francis is talking about here: is is that through being less. God can manifest through us. But if we just use our intellect, if we use our personality, if people see us and not Jesus, if we're not pushing people to say, hey, look, look at the Holy Spirit in power, right? Look at what Jesus has done for us so that we may join into his everlasting kingdom. If we're not focused on that fully, if we're not pushing people to see Jesus and not ourselves, then we're doing something wrong. Because when we give people us, that's what they get, a mortal person. But but when it's Jesus through us, that their spirit, the spirit in them that God has given the conscious in them, testifies on behalf of the truth that God is speaking directly into their heart. And that is what changes people's lives. That's what gets people filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what can break a stubborn person, a prideful person, someone that's like, I believe in science, so (laughs) I'm not going to even listen to it or consider God as a choice. I see that so much, right? I see so much in the way that we decide to minister. It's like, hey, convince them in the mind. But like Francis said, if, if we convince the mind, 
then someone else is going to convince the mind of something else, another worldview, another theology. But when we change the heart, then we, the, the, the heart of the restored person, the one filled with the Holy Spirit that's transformed, that's born again. This is why we say you must be born again. When that happens, then that person will seek out the truth. It's, and it's the truth that sets you free, right? The truth is that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell within us, that God wants to know us, that God is good. We fix that in our minds already. We fix that in our hearts, that God wants only good for us. And he wants to speak to people through us. So when we trust, we sit back in that trust that God is going to do that. That is when he truly moves. And that's when we can minister to people fully. It's not when we have all the, you know, we, we can dismantle someone's worldview. Or we can say, hey, this is why you're wrong. This is why everything you believe is wrong. We have to get to the root cause. Why are these people in this situation? Why are they denying God? Why are they denying what is so clearly laid out? And it says in Romans, because of their sin. It's because of the unrighteousness that blinds from the truth. So when we live in sin, it's our actual unrighteousness that causes us to be blind to what is real, what reality is. We have this saying in the ministry I am a part of, which is mental deception always follows moral rejection every single time because if we reject what we know to be true if we go and push up against reality the reality that god not only describes in the bible but has formulated and created and has led us to because when we're led by the spirit god will lead us into into healthy reality it will lead us into seeing reality for what it is which leads us to prosperity when we are dwelling with god when we're in the presence of god when we get down on our face and we say hey god i don't know what i'm doing i don't even know if you exist fully i don't know if i'm crazy i don't know how to hear your voice but i know if you are there i want you and i want I have tried to do it on my own. I have tried over and over again. I've tried to make me the center of the world. I, I try to think about myself so much. The world will tell you, think about yourself. Take care of yourself because nobody else will. And that is a lie straight from the depths of hell that nobody's going to take care of you. You have the creator of the universe that loves you more than you could love yourself that wants to take care of you, that wants to be your Lord, that wants you to trust him and give you his life, give your life to him so that he may take care of it better than, because it's a loving thing for God to, to receive your life, to receive your rights, because God knows that in his hands, you are more secure. In his hands, your life will be filled with purpose. In his hands, you will have no anxiety. In his hands, you will have fullness of joy and peace. That these things are coming. That the assurance of the age to come is, is just right here in the open. And, and we deny it. So I want to walk through a couple of things that 
are just kind of dismantling the church right now and that we need to be aware of in our own life. Which first off, I've been talking about it a little bit, but that first thing is pride. So in 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a, this is the big one right here, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. So the thing about this passage is that Paul here is writing a letter to Timothy, his kind of spiritual son, someone he mentored and discipled, and he is telling him about what is going to happen, not in the world necessarily, because these things are obvious for worldly people. This has always happened for worldly people. This is always how worldly people, but he's talking about the church. He's talking about in the church, there will be terrible times. In the church, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. Does this sound familiar to those in the body right now? Does this sound familiar? And I'm not saying jump ship of your church. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But if this is us, we must repent. That's how we get revival. Can a re- is a revival coming? I believe so. How does a revival come? The church repents. Individuals in the church repent. Each individual has to come to the personal conclusion, I need to repent for being proud. I need to repent for being abusive. I need to be repent for being disobedient to my parents, ungrateful, unforgiving. I know I was that. I know I was unforgiving in the church. It doesn't matter if I go to a church and listen to a person. If I'm unforgiving, I am a part of what Paul is prophesying right here. That in the last days, or, 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 or sharing based upon prophecy in the Old Testament. I'm a part of the problem. If I am being disobedient to my parents, if I'm unforgiving, if I'm slanderous, I, I am part of the problem that we talk about. And if we want God to revive the world, if we want God to make a change, if we want God to really have a move on our college campuses, in our churches, if we want to see people uh, just turn towards God and have a relationship with them, we have to relinquish our rights to God. Okay, another thing that is going on is, 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 a, is rebellion. So this is a common thing that we don't really think about all too much, which is rebellion. So we, we're so quick. There's this book called... Um, the Tale of Three Kings. I would recommend it to absolutely everyone watching this. And The Tale of Three Kings talks about, it's like a narrative uh, behind this story be- between David and Saul and, and how 
even though David was anointed to be the king of Israel, take Saul's place. He was chosen to do that. And Saul was Saul, a horrible leader. He was throwing spears, throwing spears at at David. Did, Did David pick up a spear to throw back? No. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. He even repented for cutting a little bit off his cloak. Now, why? Because if David would have killed Saul, if David would have rebelled against Saul, he would have been just like Saul. He wouldn't have been David as a king. You have to be David as a servant to be David as a king. We all, based upon the book, we all have this prideful, insecure Saul living within us that wants recognition from our church leadership, that thinks that we know better. But are we so sure to choose for God that this person is a Saul, our church leader is a Saul versus a David? Are we that confident that we aren't the ones that are trying to come up and take power for our own good and that we're going to end up being a Saul? Now let's look at this passage. It says, You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud. <laughs> listen, listen to this. God the God of the universe, the God that you want to have relationship with, opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And it says right before that, clothe yourself in humility. Submit yourself to the elders. It doesn't say, submit yourself only to elders you agree with. Hey, and and I'm I'm saying this right now, like, being one who has struggled with this, that the tale of three kings was a huge breakthrough through me for me because it revealed that I have pride that wants to be in that position so I can serve myself. But that, <laughs> the last thing we need is more selfish people. The, 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 the thing that we need is more people like Jesus that want to lay down their lives and serve. Well, the more, the, what we need is more people like David after God's own heart that even though Saul was throwing spears at him, he didn't throw a spear back. That's what we need more people of. And so this literally says, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. But gives, but what is it? But shows favor to the humble. (laughs) This is not just a suggestion. This is the truth. There is a way that reality works to when we submit ourselves to God and we say, okay, I don't know everything. I don't even know if I can make right judgments about myself, which we really can't. God is the judge of us. There's something that shifts when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and we're born again and we fully humble ourselves. We empty ourselves so God may be everything. Something shifts in reality that allows us to also like honestly to, to to get what we to to really get what our heart truly desires 
which is fullness of love from our community, which is knowing God intimately. But oftentimes we ignore what is right in front of us because we think we want something, honestly, that doesn't even exist. Something that we've made up in our head, this grand plan from a being, in my case, that have only, has only existed for 24 years. Think about that. In the grand scheme of everything, I've existed for 24 years of that. That's 24, 365 days. 24 of those, of just 365 days. Compared to the all-knowing God that I can actually be led by, I am nothing apart from God. I am nothing apart from God. I can do no good apart from God. You can do no good apart from God. And if that hits you in the chest and you're like, man, no, I got some good stuff I want to do. Think about what I said. You can do no good apart from God. Nothing of substance, nothing of good goodness, nothing that lasts is apart from God. Because God and the ones that join in with him are the only things that are going to live. The next thing that we face in the church is we have gotten to this point where we really have no burden for the lost. That we can walk past someone and we don't want, we don't even have the desire, we don't even think about it. We're actually thinking about ourselves too much. We're thinking about, oh, how embarrassing will this be if I say something to them and this random person just walks by me. I, I might just like, because we're thinking about ourselves. We've gotten to this point in the evangelical Western church where, where we walk past someone that doesn't know Jesus. We walk past someone that's walking in a deception, walking as a servant of lawlessness, as a servant of the, de the deceiving one, someone that's walking straight towards everlasting death, and we're saying it's loving that we don't say anything to them. Think about how backwards that is. And we accept it. We're like, oh, as long as you don't, you know, you do you, and I do me, and we're, we're good. I'm gonna worship my God, you can worship, you know, whatever you want, and it, it's just fine, you know, is that what the Bible says, and if we, if we don't believe the Bible is true, then throw out Christianity with the, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, there's no point, your, your, your whole belief system is based upon something you don't even believe in, so we need to get to a place where we truly have a deep desire to reach the lost, reach people that don't know Jesus. Now, I, I, I truly believe that we all have different roles in the kingdom. But one role that I know we all have is to, to reach our neighbor, to love our neighbor, to show our neighbor what it means to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, these things that we are called. Those who really spend time with Jesus will see people for what they are, eternal beings that, that are going to end up somewhere, end up either on the wrong side of history or the right side of history. And it may sound harsh, but it's, you know, this is just reality. Sometimes reality isn't all ushy gushy There's a part to God that is just and, and, and like 
a, a great man of God that was speaking to us today said, we, we hear this word justice, we hear this word judgment, and we immediately are like, oh man, judgment's horrible. But without judgment, everything would be pointless. Think about it. If God wasn't outside and making judgments on us, that he didn't set things right, he didn't say, okay, you have done amazing things and, and you have chosen to walk away from me. If you didn't make judgments, what is the point? You think about a, a UFC match. I love UFC. Unless someone gets knocked out, unless it's just so obvious that, that the judgment is just made by the fists of the other fighter, you need the judges to make a decision on who won and who lost. Or what are you fighting for? There's no point. There's no victor. We have to get to a point where we see people and we, we, our heart breaks. Our heart breaks that they don't know Jesus. Like if we know Jesus like we say we know Jesus, we, we would deeply desire for people to have that same thing. Here, here's, here's a verse that, that we can go through here. Uh, it's 1 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. And it says, Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. So he's basically saying he's departed from the original intention of the gospel, the original purpose of why we do what we do, and turned to meaningless talk. Meaningless. No meaning. We Christians, we have to have meaning. We need meaning. If, if You guys get it. We don't want to have no meaning. We don't want to be meaningless. They want to teach others. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about. What they, they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So many people want to be the center and, and look at themselves. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know who else does that? the devil. Uh, we had someone talking today and he was talking about actually casting demons out of someone and how they hate when you worship God because it takes the attention off of them. That's all the devil wants is attention, attention, attention. Have you seen it? Selfishness rules our world. So, how do we solve this problem? And that's, we have to have a real encounter with Jesus. We have to actually know Him. I'm not saying just show up to church. I'm not saying just read your Bible. I'm not saying just journal. These are things we do. These are things we do. We can do these things and they mean absolutely nothing. It says in Matthew that 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 people will say to God on that day of judgment, God, God, but didn't we do this? Didn't, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the blind? You know, did, did, but, 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 but. And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. They had all the things, but none of the substance, none of the relationship, none of 
what truly matters, which is knowing God. We have to get to know God. How do we do that? (laughs) You know, I've been listening to pastors for many years now. And it wasn't until recently that I fully started to understand how do we, how do we do that? It was for, first off, let's take what these men of God say seriously, which is get alone with God, get in the quiet place, and say nothing. If if you feel like you don't hear the voice of God, just stop talking. <laughs> you're not gonna hear anybody's voice if you're just, blah, 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 you know. So. Get in the quiet place. We need to get a hold of God. We need God to impart our identity upon us. We need that desperately. So Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all that he had to buy this field. And, you know... People probably thought this guy was insane. Like, he goes back to his family, and he's like, "Hey, we're, hey, wifey, we're selling, we're selling, we're, we're even gonna sell little Jimmy. We're selling the house." And the, she's probably like, "What, what is happening?" He's like, "No, you don't get it. I found a priceless treasure. Actually, an immense, an immense wealth. I, I." I found things that will set us up for a lifetime. See, God, a relationship with Jesus, is the thing. It, I'm telling you right now, if, if, if I offered some of you a million dollars, some people watching this, if I offered them a million dollars, there's a lot of things that they would get rid of and sell. But when the truth of reality that there is something that surpasses all wealth in the world, there, that the relationship with God that we have will last for eternity and surpasses all of understanding of how valuable it is. When we fully see that, when we get in the quiet place, we get on our knees before the mighty God and we say, God, Reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are. Give me a right view of who you are. And then that imparts our identity on us. It's not hard to get rid of the things that separate us from God because we know that if you had unlimited dollars plus one, it's like a man that knows God, a man that has God and has everything, has no more than a man that has God and has nothing. It's like adding five or 500 bucks to infinity, you know? What I want you guys to take away from this is, is we must get alone with God. We must really have a relationship with Him. Our friends, our pastor's relationship with Jesus will not do. This is not what's gonna reach the world. This is not what's gonna grant you everlasting life is any of your community. The amount you serve, the amount of sacraments you do, you know, all of these things, the, the words that you say in your brain, this, this random uh, salvation prayer, this is not what will grant you the eternal reward that surpasses all understanding, the one of the age to come of everlasting life. That's not what gets you it. What gets you it is knowing Him. 
And we have to ask God to impart that on us, to show us the treasure in the field. And once we get a grasp of that, there's nothing that's going to that's gonna stop us. We're going to endure until the end. So guys, thank you for watching. Um, please pray over <laughs> this online ministry. I can't do it without prayer. I have a hard time making videos if I don't feel like the Holy Spirit, if I don't know the Holy Spirit wants to speak through me. Pray over the YouTube that, that God will use this to reach someone, to reach someone, to reach people, to encourage them. And what I want to leave you with is once you get that personal relationship with God, the whole point of engaged culture, what I'm trying to describe here, what I'm trying to impart is that this has to be a reality in your own life that then you share with other people, that you raise people up. And so, guys, thank you for watching. I appreciate the prayers. Hit that like and subscribe button. Hit that bell notification if you liked this content. I, I Again, I appreciate you guys tuning in to the episode. Please let me know in the comments below what you want to see next, what you liked about this episode, what you don't like. I'm still playing around with this format. I'm still trying to figure out. By the way, next Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, I have an interview with the director of Chi Alpha Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's going to be coming on the show. I'm very excited about that. His name is Michael Pope. He's a baller. He's a genius. And I can't wait to have him on. So get subscribed. Get ready for that. Put on the bell notification so you don't miss a single video, a single upload. And we also are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you want to listen instead of watch, you're on the go, you're that type of person, go ahead and get over there. But thank you guys for watching and I'll see you next time.